Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. In the experimentation phase, coming back to that, I would say make sure you're incorporating things that are just uniquely you, right? Putting that out there, like you're, there's, there's only one voice in this world that you can do better than anyone else, and that's yours, mm -hmm. right? And if you put that out there in, in, in the experimentation, it's gonna be different forms of your voice, Make sure that's part of it. And then again, it's it's all about, I feel like, um, it's all about recognizing the patterns of what's working, of what people are reacting to well, and kind of doubling down on that and realizing, oh, hot breath. What is goody, hot breath-averse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I am your host, comedian Joel Byers. And now with over 400 episodes, our mission of cultivating the next generation of self-made comics is stronger than ever, and it's thanks to you that listen. It's thanks to you that share the episodes. We interview a lot of comedians and managers and agents, and as comedians, we can sometimes get stuck just listening to other comedians and be like, well, I want to learn comedy from comedians because that's what I want to be. But you can learn from so many different people, so many different industries, and Harmon Brothers is an industry leader in the marketing game who understands the power of comedy, not only just from creating connections with audiences, but from a very organized and strategic way that I think all comics will and can learn from in this episode to level up their own comedy game. So let's get into it. But if this is your first time tuning in, welcome to the Hot Breath Verse. Stay a while, share with your friends. And inhale a hot breath with Daniel Harmon. Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I'm your host, comedian Joel Byers, and our guest today, he started as a teen selling potatoes door-to-door -door and then ADT security services door-to-door, -door, and now he's become the CCO of, in my opinion, the most disruptive and revolutionary marketing agency on the planet. So it's such an honor to have you here, Mr. Daniel Harmon. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Joel. I'm excited to be a non-comedian on a comedian show. <laughs> yes, well, we've had managers and agents oh, okay. and different writers and such, but it's it's comedy-based. It's like, think like inside the actor's studio for comedians or the how I built this of comedy. Yeah, so I'm not necessarily competing to be the least funny of the people that you No, 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 please. Okay, all right. And I'll, I'll tell you, I've interviewed over 400 comedians, and I've had like Jeff Foxworthy and Cedric the Entertainer, like big people in comedy. Yeah. But to get to interview you and talk to you, like I've been a fan of what you guys do here for years now. And oh, thank you. just what you're able to accomplish with comedy is something I always believed in that like there is power beyond like just standing on stage and telling jokes. You can actually create connections and you can also create competitive advantages for companies as well, just yeah. through the power of humor. For sure. So as I've been here in Provo, there there must be something in the water here. Like I'm, I'm here taping Dry Bar, which is part of VidAngel, which is one like maybe the biggest clean comedy platform on the planet. And then you guys being this incredible marketing agency. And then there's some other comedy theaters. Like what what's in the water here at Provo? What's happening? I don't know. I think there's a real creative vibe happening in, in Utah. I, I actually think 
there has been for years um, real interest in the arts. Um, I think that even, even goes clear back to the like foundation of Utah, like before Utah was even part of the United States kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, I just think it's more recently that there's a little bit of a convergence of the technology coming together to make a lot of this possible, possible with things like streaming and social platforms like YouTube and Facebook. Um, and then, um, yeah, I just think we're finding more and more really talented people connecting with each other and creating together and collaborating and um, some really good stuff coming out of it. So it, it is exciting. Yeah, that's one of my dreams when I started comedy over 11 years ago was I want to do it from Atlanta. Like I started in Atlanta. I never wanted to move to L.A. or New York. And I think now more than ever, that's a possibility for anyone in the creative field to yeah. like create their own opportunities. And something I heard you say or I heard, I heard Benton say on your podcast that like advertisers need to start thinking like entertainers and entertainers need to start thinking like advertisers. Yeah. So how, as me, I'm a comedian and I'm like, how, how do I find my lane in this, like, in this world of like the internet where I know friends who have found a niche and they're like, I'm the Midwest comic and they've gone viral and it's worked. Like, yeah. how, how can comedians start to think more like advertisers? Ooh. That's a great question. Well, <laughs> stumped me on the first one, or second one, whatever it is. Um, but I'd say one of the biggest ways is to actually consume a fair amount of advertising. Mm. Um, so watch ads that you feel like are good and ask yourself why you think they're good. So one of the things that we train our writers on is when they go to write our ads, is like, you need to watch a bunch of other good ads first. Like, in, in one of our um, training courses, for example, we teach people to like watch a hundred different successful like Kickstarters or Indiegogo kind of projects because you know that's that's marketing, that's advertising, mm -hmm. and it, you start to get a sense of the, the structure and the things like that that are um, um, the different sales techniques and things like that that are used and that are working. And at the end of the day, I think even if comedian. A comedians, they're, you're essentially your own product, right? You're right. your own brand. But if no one ever finds out about that, then it doesn't really matter how good you are. At the end, like word of mouth can get you a little ways, but the big word of mouth is all online. And so if you kind of know where those little pressure points are of how to get yourself out there a little bit more in front of more eyeballs, then, um, then I think you'll be a lot better off. And a lot of that starts really with things as simple as like the stuff that works on Facebook and YouTube, right? Um, thumbnails, titles, that mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So that's one of the ways I would think as a marketer, if, if I'm making a video as a comedian, um, maybe I've filmed myself at the local club or whatever, cutting that together or I've got this little sketch thing I put together and I upload it, I'm gonna re be thinking really hard, okay, how am I gonna get people to stop scrolling and click on that. What's the title that's going to do that? What's the thumbnail that's going to do that? And that is going to be, honestly, almost over half the battle. Assuming mm -hmm. that you've got some good content to start with. Right. Um, but um, uh, the YouTube channel uh, Verit Veritasium, am I pronouncing that right? Verit Veritasium, this YouTube channel? I don't know if you know I'm right. not familiar with that Well, one. anyway, they, they put up a video recently on YouTube that breaks down the importance of like the, the thumbnail and the title on YouTube and how to track the only way that you get views is if people click on your video right. and watch and watch through. And so the content obviously has to be good and that's where everybody kind of starts. But you've almost got to put as much um, attention into that like thumbnail and title 
as anything else. And so I, I would say that was one of the first ways a comedian can really start to think like a marketer, is saying, what's the first touch point of my content for audiences out there that haven't seen me before? When people share it and stuff, what's going to grab them in? Like, what mm. is it a particular face I do that's rather than just like this thing from a distance of me up on a stage? Is it is there some sort of a prop that can be brought in, photoshopped in that can make it more interesting? If something I talk about, maybe I have a, a joke about corn dogs and there's like a corn dog right up there and I'm going to, <laughs> you know, or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, those kinds of things really. You know, you'll never believe how I felt after I ate this corn dog. Or, I mean, I don't know. <laughs> you make it clickbaity, whatever kind of right. thing. Yeah, but yeah. those kind of, are the kind of things you have to really think about in marketing. Is um, how are you going to draw people in? Yeah, because what I what I learned in reading your book uh, from poop to gold, or the book the book about y'all, is that you'll spend thousands of dollars and months in research before you even start executing on like filming or even like scripting or anything like that, so much market research you guys put into every single project. So for like a comedian, would that be if I have, let's just say a joke about, uh, well actually let's use, I have a joke about marriage joke, just generally. Right. So would that be like, Reese, if it's about um, crying at my wedding. I have a joke about crying at my okay. wedding. A uh -huh. suspicious amount okay. is how the joke is. <laughs> okay. And uh, so to actually create a clip around that or content around that, Maybe it's like a thumbnail of like me crying with like oh my wife laughing yes. or something along those lines of like you crying and then your wife maybe in a wedding dress mm -hmm. looking at you like suspiciously or something <laughs> yeah, when you yeah, talk yeah. about the suspicious amount uh -huh. things like that that can really get the clarity of that sort of core thing that you're doing mm -hmm. right through at a glance and um, and the same thing in the title like. Um, I cried a suspicious amount at my wedding. Find out why. I don't know if it's find out why. But right, like, and like, this happened. And, and this my wife did you'll, this. You'll never believe what happened next. I don't yeah. know what it is. But I'm just trying to, you know, giving really dumb examples. But yes, that that is a little bit the I the idea of it is. I mean, you talk about like the research we do beforehand mm -hmm. when we approach these campaigns. One of the big parts of it is combing through the comment sections in the content they already have. Or specifically for a product, we do this where we comb through the reviews mm -hmm. and we start to look for patterns. Okay, so they are citing for, let's say for a bed, for a mattress product. They're citing um, comfort or is, is side sleeping like mentioned a lot or is, um, or is uh, like no back pain or whatever it is. You're kind of looking for what are, things, what are things that people mention a lot and then you're kind of putting that up at the front and making sure it's the first pe thing people are seeing in your content or the or that it's in the thumbnail. So like with your, um, if, if you are to, are to put out a stand-up piece of some kind, then I would say, I'd look at audience reaction to what I have. What's the most cited joke of people? Like what, what got people to laugh the most? Usually they'll tell you, right? Uh -huh. In the comments, in the reactions to things of like, oh, the, like it'll start to become evident of what look, what's the cream that's rising to the top. And then you really want to put that up there because people want to, they want to grab the cream first and foremost. That's what pulls them into your content. Is that making sense? Yeah. So almost if, if they have like a marriage joke, if maybe it's looking at other marriage content. Yeah. Someone else with a marriage joke, seeing what those comments are, and then maybe yes, getting piggybacking off of that insight as totally well. Totally could do the same thing if you don't have enough data to draw from in your own content in what people have engaged with or interacted on your videos or whatever it is. 
looking more for the patterns that already exist out there, mm -hmm. and how do you how do you dial into that, right? Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you kind of steer your stuff into a way that people are absorbing it in the way that it's already being absorbed in culture? You know. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Is there a way to work smarter over harder in the sense that like right now? What I'm struggling with, and what a lot of comedians are struggling with, is it's just like spray and pray. It's like right. we just put all this stuff out there, and then if something hits, it's like, okay, great, let's do more of that if it hits. You right. know, right now we're kind of blindly just like feeling around of like, well, maybe this will work, or maybe that will work. Is there, is there, do you have any advice on like maybe how it can work smarter with that? Um, I think the principles of stand up comedy actually lend themselves really well to the testing principles of the internet. So when you go and you do stand up, you're going to go do like what a two three minutes set at like an open mic night of some kind, right? Mm -hmm. And you're going to test jokes, right? You might rattle off, um, I don't know, in in a, in a two to three minute set, how many jokes do you get in? Just like a couple. Yeah, yeah. Okay. It's not going to be a ton. You might look for maybe you have five jokes in there. Let's just say it's probably not going to be that, but maybe three of them bomb, but you know two of them really hit. Uh huh. And then you know you're taking that and you're reapplying that later on. You're going to test that again. Um, but those other three, you're maybe going to leave behind, or you're going to readjust them, retweak them, right? Right, right. Uh, rewrite them in a way that you feel like, because maybe you really believe in the joke. But you're like, I don't think I, I don't think I had the timing quite right. I don't think I had the setup quite right. I don't think I um, gave it enough context. Whatever it is, you're going to go back and tweak and do it again. So it's very similar online, where you kind of do it to the small, smallest audience possible. You do your testing. And then before you go broad, right? Before you, you embarrass yourself in front of a few people, <laughs> before you go do it in front of millions, right? That's the, right. Kind of the, that's kind of the, uh, the thought there. Yes. But it does happen that way as far as working um, smarter goes. We have an advantage because we have budgets, right? We get advertising campaigns. We know we're going to be spending hundreds if not thousands of dollars on testing in order to figure out what's the best thumbnail, what's the best title. Um, uh, I would say with comedians, um, again, going back to that Veritasium video, uh -huh. YouTube does give you real-time analytics. I don't know if they don't, do they, uh, do they only do it for partners? I'm not sure. So don't quote me on this. Maybe you have to become a partner first. But um, where you can see how people are reacting to your video, you can actually see spikes of when, if you put in a certain thumbnail and a title, mm -hmm. then you can see if your viewership is dropping off or if it's actually increasing. And um, what YouTube wants is they want content that people are going to click on. And so when they see that something's being clicked on, they'll serve it up to more people, right? It's going to be in your suggested feed. Yeah. So if you watch those real-time analytics of uploading a few, all the big YouTubers do this. They have like three different titles and thumbnails that they're ready to go with. And in the first 24 hours, they're swapping in and out titles and thumbnails. And they're watching the, re the real-time analytics and watching to see if they get a little bit of a bump. And if they do, they leave it. And then the, it can really take off. And it's literally the difference between, um, it, I mean, like it can be a difference of like 5x or 6x the views Jeez. on this one little thing. Wow. And kind of this is what happened with the original Poopery video is we released it. And then in the comments, we saw people, they didn't have the real-time analytics at the time for the YouTube was not telling us what was happening with the video. We just kind of had to all follow it like, oh, how's the view count going and all that kind of wow. thing. Or we were doing it through actual testing where we could see the numbers that way, where we were spending money on ads. But in the comments, someone said, girls don't poop. At when the poopery video, like she swings open the doors and she's talking about her bowel movements and all that kind of stuff. 
And we were like, oh, and that was a title we hadn't tested before. We had been testing all these other things. It's like, and someone's like, yeah, right, girls don't poop. And then we took that title and put it in, and the video just started going like crazy. And that was from a commenter. Um, so those are kinds of things that you can do is actually um, test, again, the feedback from the audience. Um, and when you're starting out, there's always a little bit of spray and pray. Okay. You, you can't fully avoid that. Okay. Um, if you don't have a budget, there's a little bit of that going on. You just have to experiment with different things. Um, and, and I would say when you're spraying, make sure you're changing up your spray. Yeah. <laughs> it's not all just the same spray all the time. That you're doing different things. You're cutting things in different ways. You're, you're, um, you're, you're trying, like dry bar comedy. Let's take dry bar comedy. You are um, performing at dry bar yes. here tomorrow, right? Yes. Which is mm -hmm. awesome. Congratulations. Thank that's, you. A, that's a big... That's a big milestone, right? Yeah, my wife is so proud. Oh, that's awesome. She's like, oh, that's comedy great. is working. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> On Drybar, that's a big deal. So what Drybar does, if, you, if you've noticed, they take one of the best jokes and they cut it right up to the beginning. Yeah. So that the first thing you see is something grabby that like everybody's laughing at. And they create a little bit of interest and then they and then they start back from the beginning, you know? Little things like that are a big deal where and you've seen, you've been seeing movie trailers do this for a long time, too. So if you think you've got your best piece, you get, like, just from your small sample size of your family, your friends, whoever it is, find out what they think is the best piece of your little, your, your content, of your video. Yeah. Okay, and, and, and you'll start to see patterns of everyone being like, oh, that's the funniest joke. Okay, then take that joke and do like the movie trailers do. And like, like a Spider-Man trailer, for, for example, just released. And the first thing you see is like Spider-Man swinging and then like an explosion. And then it's like a, just a quick montage of maybe like six action interest shots. And then it goes to the beginning of the trailer so that the story makes more sense. But they need, know they need to pull you in at the beginning and give you a reason to watch. Mm -hmm. And so if you put your teaser, your little teaser before your content, that can do a lot to really kind of hold things over. Yeah, and you guys are so focused on quality as well. And I, I mean, I know you guys have even adapted techniques from Christopher Nolan movies uh -huh. into like a two-minute ad. So you have mm -hmm. that attention to detail. But on a low budget of a comedian maybe with yeah. a cell phone video, like I've heard you say adding subtitles is a big thing because 80% of people don't even listen to these videos. Right. Like, um, I mean, how important is like video quality and audio quality when it comes down to the shareability? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, we want people to share with friends and family and coworkers so then they learn about us and they come see us live or see other projects we're doing. Yep. That shareability factor. To the shareability, what matters more than quality is, um, and if you're talking quality as in production quality, how's the lighting? What's the art? art look like what's the what's the setting look like how's the makeup how all these things that we know is like hollywood production like what's all that kind of stuff if you're referring to quality in that way i don't think that matters as much to shareability okay well, i think what matters more is authenticity people want to know that what they're getting feels real to them in some way or relatable or whatever um, and then the other one is clarity they want to just understand it they don't want to have to burn calories at all trying to think or make sense of whatever it is. They just want to understand it immediately. So if you have, if you've shot things on a cell phone, um, if you've done it without good lighting, if you've done it in a, in a weird setting, 
all those things can kind of pale in comparison, and you can tell this from the videos that go viral, you know, on, mm -hmm. online. Um, uh, quality is needed for something like if you're doing a sitcom, right? If you're doing a sitcom, then you probably need to have a certain amount of quality. But m what's more important, more important is that it feels authentic and that it feels very clear, that it's coming across very clearly to people. And then I would also say um, the other thing that I would pay attention to, I always say this um, in, our, in our courses, that you want to pay attention more to like the rhythm of something hmm. um, than you do the length. So I don't, pe I don't think people bail on a video because it's long. I think they bail on it because it's boring. So a video can be five minutes long and people can still watch. It can be 20 minutes long and people can still watch. Not everybody's going to watch, but the right people will watch. Mm -hmm. it, it, a video can be 30 seconds long and people will still watch. But what you want to pay attention to more is that it has the right rhythm, like a song, where it changes up at the right moments and it does the right things, where it keeps people interested throughout, um, as opposed to just like, oh, here's this boring lull right here. Or everything's coming at me too fast, I can't even really take it in what's going on. I don't know what to do with it, I'm out. Uh -huh. So that stuff, I think, is more important than um, any of like the quality stuff of like perfect lighting and great hair and makeup and um, you know an amazing setting and all that kind of stuff. I think more people are gonna be focused on um, just the actual performance um, and the, the awesome authenticity that's coming through in that way and, um, and whether or not they're just understanding what it is very clearly. So when you have someone engaged, mm -hmm. Uh, because that is, I guess that's part of that teaser clip at the beginning too is like, oh, they understand exactly what they're about to get out of this clip. That's right. So they know it's going somewhere that's as right. well. That's right. So when it comes to like a call to action, because that's something you've talked about as well, is yeah. a big difference between product selling or not can also come down to is there the call to action or not? So yeah. like if we, if we want someone to share this, would you recommend like, well, have a call to action, like a title come up, say share this, or you say share this, like that, those... I've heard it as an analogy of like tiny hinges can open big doors. Yeah. And these little adjustments can make a big difference. Huge, huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, a call, to, a call to action is a big deal, um, like what you, what, what you mentioned. Um, and specifically, if you're trying to monetize your content in some sort of way, you're probably ideally, as a comedian, for example, you'd want to be sending your audience to some sort of a site where they can buy tickets to one of your shows where they can um, download or pay for um, some sort of a streamed version of a comedy show or whatever, or maybe they can get merch. Any of those kinds of things where you can you know, bring in money in some way, or maybe you've got enough traffic to your website that you're driving people there and then you're getting advertising dollars from it, whatever. It, it would be, you would want to, in that call to action, you would want people to either follow you um, and your page, um, say, you know, if you're not following me yet, you know, follow me here on Facebook, YouTube, where, wherever it is, Instagram, uh, TikTok. Um, and then uh, you'd probably want to send them, if you have a way to monetize quickly, turn them into dollars. That'd be an awesome way to do it as well. Yeah. Money and comedy don't always go together. <laughs> they, they, they don't always, but they can, right? Mm -hmm. um, I, I get that... Uh, and like you're a comedian, right? So you, you can make fun of yourself with <laughs> the fact that you're shilling, right? <laughs> so here's you know here's the obligatory merch plug, you know, or whatever you want to say about it. Um, 
and uh, you can choose how you want to do that. I know, I know a lot of comedians probably feel like dirty when they want to pitch something, but at the end of the day, um, it, the comedians that successfully figure out how to market um, aren't always the funniest comedians. Oh no. They don't always have the best con content. Exactly. They've figured out more of the clarity, their brand, um, how to get their get themselves out there. It's not that they're the funniest at all, necessarily. They're funny enough. They're clearly funny enough. Mm -hmm. It's working for a big segment of the world, right? Of the audience. Of um, uh, But it's more, they've learned those small hinges that move big doors in the right places. They've learned how to work those and uh, to their advantage. And so... Yeah, it's a big deal. How can we find our brand? Hmm. How can you find your brand? Um, I, I can use a personal example if you want, like yeah, a, a jumping great. off point. So, yeah. I mean, I released a comedy special called The Trophy Husband a few years ago that was self-produced. And, and I, I mean, at one time I was like, that's who I'm going to be, The Trophy Husband. I'm going to have, like, a sitcom and all this. And, like... It's a character now, like, it's not something I want to build my brand on. Like, I don't think GE's going to be like, oh, let's book the trophy husband. Okay. Like, I'm starting to think bigger than, like, yeah. just, oh, let's just get on the road and grind it out. I'm like, no, let's make money so my wife can do whatever she wants if she wants to. Yeah. You know, and I, I was born to be a comedian. I feel it is a calling. It's something I've always had a passion for that I'm ready 11 and a half years in to be like, all right, let's do it type deal. Yeah. So I'm, I'm starting to think more of, I, I'm clean, I'm positive, I want people to feel good when they come see me. I'm not, right. nothing political or divisive. It's more just like, come like, just let go and laugh basically and for a good time, you know. Right. So I'm currently in that transition of like, all right, how do I start to position myself as that and what is like, how do I build that brand? Yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Well, some of it is for sure the early stages of experimentation to seeing kind of what's working. Um, and then doubling down on that, um, I'd say, is a big part of it. And it's also, like, what are your ideals? I, I feel like, as so I'm developing a TV show right now, um, and some of the best writing that we get in the writer's room is when it just kind of flows out of our own lives, right? Mm -hmm. When it's stuff that's really authentic to us. So one of the, one of the key characters... We had been trying to figure out for a while, his name's Ethan, he's this 11-year-old boy, and we were trying to figure out kind of what are his motivations, because we got his twin sister almost from the get-go, because it was like, oh, she's very scientific, she um, is a history buff, um, she'd be really into mathematics, she's kind of a bookworm, an academic, and that's what she wants. She wants to do things like... She's a kid, so she still wants a lot of things, right? But like things like be an astronaut, right? Or or that she's um, like has heroes from history that 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 she would be really into. That it's always like these academic goals that we had, and then it felt like to go on the extreme opposite of that. We were gonna go, oh, this is gonna end up being some sort of a a dumb character, you know? The, mm. the boy would end up falling into this trope where he's um, just the dumb. The dumb boy. He's funny, but he's dumb, kind of a thing. And we didn't want that. We didn't want the kid to be dumb. We just wanted him to be different in a different way. And we ended up landing on something that's a little bit of a combination of the life of one of our writers and, and myself, which is he's he's more of a creative like filmmaker and entrepreneur type. 
um, which is you know just basically a reflection of my own life and, and the life life of this one of the um, one of our other writers, um, and that felt a lot more authentic and that worked a lot better naturally when we were writing of like okay that's going to be kind of his primary oh. motiv motivation going that's going to be a little bit of his driving personality in his character, and it, it, we just found the, the scripts and the stories came a lot flowed a lot more freely when we were writing from a place that we understood ourselves uh -huh. uh, um, authentically. And so um, I definitely would not go chasing after, um, you can do this, but I've watched a lot of people do it, that chase after what they see work out there. And they're like, oh, I'm just going to go do that because that works. And you can do that. That to me is like, I'm going to lean really heavily into the marketing side of things. And, um, but I think that can end up feeling kind of soulless to people later on. Cause it's like, this isn't really me. Like mm -hmm. I kind of tried to be this other person, but I, it's not me. It's not to say you can't learn from those things and you can't adjust and you can't like be inspired by that. You can, I'm not saying don't copy other people's stuff. I think hack all day long what works, <laughs> right? I'm not, um, I guess what I'm saying is it better be coming from a place of authenticity for you that the brand needs to be something that's like core to your values, you know? And um, so that's in the experimentation phase, coming back to that, I would say make sure you're incorporating things that are just uniquely you, right? Putting that out there, like you're, there's, there's only one voice in this world that you can do better than anyone else and that's yours, mm -hmm. right? And if you put that out there in, in, in the experimentation, it's gonna be different forms of your voice, make sure that's part of it. And then again, it's it's all about, I feel like, um, it's all about recognizing the patterns of what's working, of what people are reacting to well, and kind of doubling down on that and realizing, oh, is this like, for example, with yourself, like uh, this maybe is this uh, family-friendly kind of brand or something along those lines. Or maybe it's, um, maybe it's also got this, um, like clever academic side to it, or or maybe it's got like this country bumpkin sort of thing. Like I'm speaking for myself as you know, growing up in Idaho kind of thing. But you're speaking to me right now. Is who you're speaking to? <laughs> I'll say that. <laughs> but um, but um, that's kind of um, what I would do. Is you certainly? It, I think finding the brand is finding what works. Like you you do your best thing of like I think that I want my brand to be this, but then it might not play well with the audience and then you have to adjust. Mm -hmm. And that's a little bit of that experimentation phase, but make sure the things that you're experimenting with are coming from a place um, that's that's like naturally you, that's comes from your human experience, that comes from the things that you care about. Does that make sense? It does make sense. Okay. And I think that's where I missed on the trophy husband is I was like, oh, this will be like a cool trope that I could capitalize on. Uh -huh. but. Even in just the few years after, I'm like, this, it already feels inauthentic and unsustainable. But and like, but my material always comes from my life and my experiences and my own points of view. Yep. And positivity and that and generosity and humility, all these things have been instilled with me since I was a child. My mom, single mom, teacher, three kids, like always. Life's an adventure. We were always donating books, even when we didn't have anything. So yeah, she, sounds, she, always, she sounds amazing. She always instilled that in me. Uh -huh. And I think now that maybe I'm 33, I'm like, oh, I'm a grown up. What are my values? And yeah. there, there definitely is an overlap there that now I guess I'm trying to marry with like the brand of me as a comedian. Yeah, I think yeah. going back to those roots is really wise with figuring out your brand. 
Roots, a lot of tears. <laughs> Go to therapy, Joel. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm primarily saying get a shrink. Yes, that's that's what I'm saying. Is I, uh, I in all honesty, it can't hurt. Yeah, that's um, true. But um, yeah, I think that's. Uh, yeah, we all kind of go on this process of self-discovery because we want to kind of carve out our own path, be our own person. And then sometimes in, in doing that, we realize sometimes we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, you know, um, uh, and that there were good things. That even if we wanted to do our own thing, there were things we really valued and maybe kind of lost sight of um, that we should have hung on to a little bit more. And um, yeah, anyway, yeah, getting, I'm getting super like, what do, what do you call it? Um, <laughs> I don't know if nostalgic is the right word or, or whatever, but yeah, I'm, I guess I'm getting really philosophical about this. But yeah, that, that's how I would go about it. So uh, part of the authenticity is um, that I instill into this podcast as well, the positivity and all of that. And yeah. during the pandemic, when all my live shows went away, I doubled down the podcast started a comedy writing Facebook group that now has over like 4,000 people in there and oh, cool. started a private Facebook group as well. Um, it's like our comedian incubator. But what happened is one of the members of that Facebook group is a member of the UN. Okay. And they really recognized the positivity and the supportive culture within there. So they actually reached out and actually met with them today before I came here to help them with their 17 sustainable goals okay. and to help kind of bridge there's a gap between the UN and then like youth and like the fret people think UN and maybe think it's old it's boring it's on C-SPAN or whatever right but they want to like rejuvenate the 17 sustainable goals and they want hot breath to help do that okay so in our meeting today we were talking about uh, we had all these ideas and they're like, well, first let's do like a three minute kind of like concept that we can then pitch to the higher ups of like, this is what we may be able to do. But they want to just make it like quick and snappy and fun and uplifting and funny as well. Yeah. But just putting the 17 sustainable goals in a light that's maybe a little more digestible beyond just here's how we're going to change the world. Sure. You know, so sure. if you, if they came to you, if UN was like, Daniel, we want to do this, yeah. where would you start? And like, how, how help us, Daniel, help <laughs> us. It's a big deal. We want to make sure we, you know, fulfill. Well, comedy is a really good tool for helping people digest new information. And we've been doing it a long time with Harmon Brothers with our ads, right? Where we give, a, we give a little bit of information about the product and then we make you laugh and a little bit more information and we make you laugh. And that's kind of the rhythm of it. Mm -hmm. um, and so, um, our ads are very much built that way to kind of educate you while and entertain you at the same time and not necessarily even have you know that you're watching an ad in many cases. I mean, you're going to know you're watching an ad, but you, maybe you just don't mind, right? You're just pulled right into it because of that, that sort of rhythm and cadence of like, oh, I'm going to laugh along the way and oh, this is interesting. Oh, and this is really funny. Um, and so... I, I feel like um, good jokes are a Trojan horse for sneaking in information. And so anytime you have a good value or good principle, um, you can sneak that in a little bit more easily by making people laugh, um, either just before it or just after it, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe in some cases both. Um, that's essentially what the TV show I'm developing does because it teaches kids about principles of freedom and economics. And so we have to start on the episode with what has to be taught first. So, for example, one of the... One of the episodes deals with the golden rule. 
doing unto others as you would have them do unto you, right? And, and, and a concept called blowback, that when you try to get revenge on people, it may feel like you should and it's necessary and all that kind of stuff, but the bad you do eventually blows back at you. Like, just because you got the last hit in doesn't mean that other hit's not coming back mm -hmm. the other way kind of a thing. And so um, we teach about that in one of our episodes, but we do it with a lot of jokes around it and a lot of story. And we've, we've been approaching things so that people want to watch the content for the story and the characters, even aside from what we're teaching. And so that's what I would say with this, this, uh, this UN stuff is, is you'd want to take a value and you would want people to, um, again, like UN's viewed as this old stodgy whatever kind of thing, C-SPAN, something or another, oh, here's this value. Like, who cares? You gotta package it up in a way that people care enough about all the wrapping paper and stuff that it's in, um, enough to just absorb it and then get the, get the good principle or value along with it. So you would almost use like each goal as like a setup to a joke in a sense of like, if it's about ending poverty, mm -hmm. ending global poverty, then we're just thinking of a joke about global poverty. <laughs> <laughs> Which you, I mean, you can, comedy, that's yeah. the power of comedy, yeah, you, you can, can walk that line. Yeah, you can find ways to do it, right? As long as you're not punching down. Oh, of course, oh yeah, of course <laughs> right? not. But if they uh, want it quick and snappy, but uplifting, yeah. and like, it's just. I mean, if they have 17, might, I would say you probably need 17 different pieces of content, right? Mm -hmm. one, one that focuses in on each one of these, one of these goals. Yeah, the big vision was maybe like 17 goals in 17 minutes. It kind of breaks it down in a fun yeah, way. Yeah, you can do that. But they just want like a three-minute kind of like teaser of like what we'd be able to do. It's kind of like our pitch to them, I guess. Yeah. So, I'm um, putting you to work now. You know, yeah, you're putting me to work, and I don't know <laughs> if I'm going to come up with a good solution for you. Here. You're fine. <laughs> but, it um, just happened to, like I've, we've been in talks, but I just talked yeah. to them in detail about it today. So yeah, it was like yeah, top of mind. Definitely would have to give it more thought. But No worries. Yeah, no worries. All right. All right. All right. <laughs> but uh, we can end on that. Thanks, Daniel. Jeez. Trying to change the world downer. over here. You're like, I don't know, pooping I, unicorns? <laughs> I heard they're popular. No, I mean, um, there's always a way to do something, you know. But if, if they're, are, are they like kind of stuck in that, it has to be that exact format. It needs to be like a three minute kind of thing. Oh, there, I mean, this was just for the pitch. Okay. Like just yeah. for the higher ups, basically. Yeah. Um, but like in your formula of having kind of like a hero and like a mascot, sure. maybe uh -huh. there is like a mascot that walks people through the different Could goals. Could be. And I mean, if you look at what like exactly, if you look at what Ryan Reynolds is doing right now, you've probably seen his, some of his YouTube content. Mm. Well, he does a lot of that where um, he's not like creating necessarily, in, in some cases he's creating original characters um, for his ads, but in, in many cases he's actually doing it from existing ones, right? So um, obviously he, he's Ryan Reynolds, so he can leverage the power of his brand to put himself into stuff. Um, and like you said, you know you're pointing at yourself, that could be um, something you've got your own brand, you've got your own following, and that, okay. can, that, can, that can help out um, with things. But yeah, finding um, the mascot doesn't always have to come in the form of like a prince or a unicorn or Goldilocks or, or you know, any of these other things. It, could, it can be just, um, you know, a, a known celebrity or of some kind, right? Mm -hmm. It can be, um, there's, there's a lot of different ways to approach that principle without having to do it with like, uh, let's make this, you know, a whole, whole ad campaign kind of thing. I think we had a breakthrough right there. 
Okay. That felt that felt good. Just because you get to do it now. Yeah, because right? yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you get to be the face. <laughs> well, thank you, uh, Daniel. Thank you so much for doing this. I mean, is there is there anything you would like to like promote or anything? Oh, um, for us, I mean, gosh, uh, the the best thing to point people to is. Um, uh, just HarmanBrothers.com if for people that are looking for advertising and marketing services. Uh, we're, I mean, we're known as a a bigger like agency that does um, bigger campaigns, but that's um, we ha we actually do consulting. Um, so if someone has like a, a brand or uh, a product or service that they want to promote, we we actually have stuff that even starts you know much much lower. It's not like up in the half million dollar range. It like starts you know, like even in the um, the thousands kind of range, like where we've got different things to help different people out. So harmbrothers.com would probably be the best place for people to start. Ooh. There we go. Well, thank you, Daniel. This has been a career highlight of doing this podcast for so long. This is, this is an interview I've been wanting to do for years. So thank you for awesome. doing it, Daniel. Well, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. There it is, Hot Breathiverse, a rare peek behind the curtain of the marketing industry's most disruptive company. I hope you found some good special sauce you can apply to your own careers out there as that is the whole mission of Hot Breath. And if this is your first time tuning in, you're clearly a comedy fan. You like the Harmon Brothers. Take a deep dive into the podcast. We also have a YouTube channel, that comedy writing Facebook group and classes and workshops and so much more to get you instilled into the comedy game and really level up quickly. We're here to help. It's a four comics by comics platform, and we love connecting and hearing from you. So please reach out to us on social media at Joel Byers Comedy and at Hot Breath Pod, and reach out to the Harmon Brothers. Not many people get to interview Daniel and really get into the weeds on their secret process. So reach out to them on social media and let them know how much you appreciated the interview and how much you learned, and maybe that you, uh, want to hear more and maybe we can find some more hot breath Harmon brother collaborations in the future but i just appreciate all of your time so let's land this plane as i love you all and we're all in this together my friends and we'll see you next monday right here on hot breath <sighs> <sighs>This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.